1: Keep all your entertainment options centered with Xfinity X1. Access live TV, Netflix, and now Hulu and Peacock. Ah, streaming Zen. Now that's simple, easy, awesome. Go online or call 1 800 Xfinity today. Restrictions apply. Netflix, Hulu, and Peacock memberships required.
2: This is the Cubs related podcast presented by CubsInsider.com. My name is Corey. I am joined, as always, by Brendan. And we are coming to you on a Sunday evening after watching the Cubs get swept at the hands of their rival St. Louis Cardinals at Busch Stadium. The Cubs fall to 2-8 and eight in their last 10 games, which, if you're keeping track, is worse than how they started the season at 2-7, and seven. so that's uh, super fun. So we will talk about those three games. We'll break those down real quickly. I'm assuming that uh, most of you guys, much like Brendan and I, don't need to relive a hearty recap of this three-game series, but we'll cover the news and notes and, and what was important in these three games. We're going to talk about the offensive inconsistencies, talk about some bullpen rumblings going around. Pedro Stroop, uh pitching in his third rehab appearance for the Iowa Cubs, so he is likely nearing a return to the Cubs' bullpen when they get back to Wrigley Field on Monday. And we are also hearing that all of a sudden, Brendan, as the draft approaches and that compensation pick may no longer be attached, hmm. the Cubs may have a newfound interest in one Craig Kimbrell. So will, yeah. Right, we will talk about that and uh, the potential of that and the ramifications if they were to do that. And we will also take a look at three good starts from the Cubs rotation this weekend. Uh, Jose Quintana, Hugh Darvish, and Cole Hamels all pitching quite well for the Cubs in this three-game set, Uh, but unfortunately, the offense did not join them this time. So uh, lately, it feels like it's been a pick-your-poison kind of thing for the Cubs. Either the offense shows up and the pitching does not, or the pitching shows up and the offense does not. But such is life. So let me just run through these games. The Cubs lose Friday and Sunday by a score of 2-1. to one. In both of those games, the Cardinals get at least one run without getting any hits. So that's great and something that definitely didn't piss uh, me and Brendan off to the point that, you know, we've been talking about it for three days here. We're totally fine about that, guys. It's fine. <laughs> um, but on Friday, the Cubs losing 2-1 to one in 10 innings. you Darvish with the only RBI for the Cubs in this game on a sacrifice fly. You Darvish was good in this one. He goes six innings, three hits, one earned, three walks, and six strikeouts for Darvish. He throws 93 pitches lifted for a pinch hitter as the Cubs are trying to get some offense going. And the Cardinals winning this one in the bottom of the 10th on a Matt Carpenter single. It was basically a fly ball that uh, the Cubs gave up on because they had the five-man infield and the bases were loaded. So once it gets that far in the outfield, it's whatever. So it goes down as a single. Um, We could probably talk about the umpiring in this particular game. It could be a a robo-umps or whatever human element discussion if we wanted to, but When you get swept at the hands of the Cardinals, it just sort of feels disingenuous to spend that much time on the umpires. But I will say, uh, decidedly, Brendan, and I didn't run this by you, but I I assume you support this. Uh, We have a lot of friends of the podcast that we've noted over the years. Laz Diaz is not one of them. No, okay. I want that noted. Uh, Laz Diaz, you are not a friend of the Cubs-related podcast. I might direct you to uh, like an you know a sunglass hut or a lens wear, whatever whatever eyeglass store you know you might be able to get nationwide to vision get your eyes checked yeah really bad and not good, unfortunate no. for Dylan Maples who really deserved better than that but again you get swept you know not the time to really complain about the umpires on Saturday this one a an odd one because the game is tied at two as we head to the bottom of the fifth inning, we get uh, a multiple-hour rain delay, and then when the game resumes, the Cubs bullpen, uh, you know, decides to open things up a little bit. Tyler Chatwood taking the loss in this one. Two innings, five hits, three earned, no walks. Uh, He does strike one out, but the no walks thing isn't as exciting when you're giving up five hits and three runs. Kyle Ryan eventually comes in in Later in the game, he goes two-thirds of an inning, giving up three hits, two earned, and back-to-back home runs to Dexter Fowler and Harrison Bader. The Cubs getting their runs in this one. Anthony Rizzo's 16th home run, Jason Hayward's 9th home run, and a David Bodie double, a Chris Bryant uh, force-out in the top of the 7th. Some bad Babbit luck there. Chris ripped that ball up the middle. It happened to glaze off of Andrew Miller's glove, right to Paul DeJong. Isn't that super convenient for the Cardinals? Uh, and it's only a run-scoring force out instead of a single up the middle, but such is life. Again, the final on Saturday, seven to four Cardinals, and again the Cubs losing two to one on Sunday to Adam Wainwright, Brendan. So that was fun. Adam Wainwright throws, uh, seriously, 126 pitches over eight (laughs) innings. He gives up just two hits, no earned runs, while walking seven batters and striking out eight. So, yeah, yeah, that was the story in that one. Uh, unfortunately, in this one, Cole Hamels, uh, he bounces back with a really good start after, you know, not his best stretch with the Cubs. He goes seven, only two hits allowed, an unearned run, two walks, and four strikeouts. So Cole Hamels was really, really good in this game. He only throws 84 pitches. So again, much like Darvish on Friday, he was lifted in an effort to try and score runs. He could have gone longer, and he was phenomenal in this game. Uh, so a lot of no decisions for the Cubs starters in this series uh, that were not particularly deserved. And just since I, I didn't read it, he was taken out uh, after the rain delay. But Quintana goes four innings, gives up four hits, two earned, one walk, and six strikeouts on Saturday again before that rain delay. Yeah, and that's, I thought he looked pretty good there too. It's yeah, tough, he uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, great lines really all around for the Cubs starters in this series and. It just was not enough for this offense to come through. So again, the Cardinals winning 2-1 to one on Sunday. The uh, Cubs trying to rally in the top of the ninth when they trailed 2 to nothing, but they would not be able to push across the tying run. So they do get swept, Brendan. And I will throw it to you. And I think the first thing to discuss at least just coming out of this weekend is you know we find ourselves in a two and eight stretch uh which you know we go back to how bad we felt or uh, you know just how not fun that first week of the season was and this has somehow been now a game worse than than that stretch in terms of uh the losses but this weekend unlike some of the other ones that we that we saw really the issue was offensive consistency the the Mm -hmm. hitting with runners in scoring position issue continues to plague the Cubs Uh, I'm looking here on Friday they go 0 for 8 with runners in scoring position 1 for 4 on Saturday and that one hit did not bring in a run that was the discalso bunt that goes for a single past Andrew Miller but it doesn't bring in a run and then on Sunday they go zero for four, so just a big mess with runners in scoring position, and an overall frustrating weekend for the offense. And I think particularly for me, Brendan, you you can't have that type of performance against Adam Wainwright. Um, Adam Wainwright at this stage of his career, going eight innings against you th- and and. You getting seven walks, but not being able to push anything across the plate, and letting him work out of jams over a hundred and twenty pitches, Brendan. Like that is particularly frustrating. Yeah, I
3: look. There's the series was frustrating as a whole. I mean, I, I'm there watching the game, and you know we're all talking about the same problems that we've been talking about for three years now. And the main issue that I think we come back to is this runners in scoring position phenomenon. Like why on earth over the past three years can the Cubs seemingly not put up base hits when there's runners on second or third? And yeah, I'm, I'm with everyone else. That is frustrating. There are good things that continue to happen for this team recently. And just to get beyond that, the Cubs still have one of the best offenses in Major League Baseball. You exclude the pitching slot, and their overall Woba is 351. They're batting 264, and you're right on par with the Dodgers. And the only other better team in Major League Baseball than the Cubs and Dodgers is the Minnesota Twins offensively. So there's a lot to be happy about and stoked about for the future, but there are going to come times like we just saw in St. Louis when they can't put it together. And it's and the fact that this team has been so good offensively the entire year doesn't exclude the fact that these inconsistent stretches are problematic. And I think at some point, this being the third year, you have to ask yourself, what is like what is going on here? Why does this team go through these inconsistent bouts? You've had three hitting coaches. The Cubs have really forced upon themselves opportunistic hitting and replaced the situational hitting word that we've heard so frequently. So they've made it more of a point of emphasis to address this. And we just don't see it at times, and I don't think I have a good answer for that. I do think, in part, one of the reasons why we saw this inconsistency recently was because they have a lack of depth and so Javi Baez clearly is struggling with that ankle injury. Mm-hmm. Chris Bryant went down after the after the collision, missed a few games, came back. They have maybe a depth issue right now. Dascoso has looked continuously like garbage. Ben Zobris, more and more we hear about it, he may not be back this year. So you're you're looking at a team right now that's depleted. When you have Jim Meducci up with this team right now, who's vying for a World Series, you know they're depleted. When they go out and they sign Carlos Gonzalez, you know they're depleted. And so yeah. that's really the issue that we have going on here. Is at one, you can look at the overall numbers and they look phenomenal. They look great. And I think it gives us a lot of confidence going forward. On the other hand, You watch the performance they just had this week, and it does make you question whether or not you can expect this going forward. Where where I am at, I'm sort of in the middle in between... Being very confident and, yeah, being a little concerned. And it kind of leads off our last episode where we talked about the outfield depth and the consequences of not having that depth. And I hate to say it, but you just saw it this past series. You saw what the consequence is when not only do you not have depth, but if you have one small injury, Corey, one small injury, even for a few days with Javi being out, it messes everything up. And you really just completely startle that entire depth. And that can be problematic.
2: Yeah, and I'm with you. I, I think that we we need to be careful not to throw an entire body of work that this offense has done so far this season in the garbage because they're in, in a bad stretch or have a bad series. Like, that's going to happen. But, you know, as we've gone over, like, you do have several guys in this lineup putting up big-time numbers. They're They're hitting home runs at a better pace, and yes, so is the rest of the league, but Okay, fine. Like, but so are the Cubs. Like, they could not be going with the rest of the league. So you're you're glad that they are doing that as well. But I'm with you, and and I it's a tough spot for, admittedly, like for the front office and for you know the the overall roster construction group. But I do agree with you that I I think that a lot of this can be n- not necessarily explained away, but it it really is informed by the little injuries and the lack of depth and I know that in a lot of these situations right like you can look at Descalso you can look at Rizzo with the back you can look at Bryant and Hayward after the the collision in the outfield you can look at Baez with this heel thing that's been lingering since that series in Washington like it's tough You don't want to put a guy on the 10-day DL if he's only going to miss a game or if he's fine or, you know, if you, you know, like we saw with Javi, they they put him at third in some of these games. It doesn't bother him as much, and then you can still hopefully get his bat involved in the game. It's a tough decision on some of these moves, but when you look at this season, it's difficult to deny, Brendan, that they have seemingly been playing a man down or multiple year. men down the entire year the yeah. entire year yeah. and again you don't want to burn anthony rizzo for 10 days if he's only you know just needs a day to you know get that back massaged or you know whatever therapy they they have going on with that type of stuff i get it and i i know it's not that simple but When you are constantly playing with a shortened bench, I mean, how many games have we seen this year, guys? It's like every
3: week, I feel like. Someone goes down and you have this issue.
2: What was it, Saturday's game? Like, Javi's in his hoodie, right? When opportunities (laughs) are coming up, you're thinking, okay, well, if he's available, maybe he should pinch hit here. Like, how many games have we seen like that? And it's not, you know, it's not just Javi, obviously. I just went through that list of where they're active and on the bench, but they're unavailable. And again, it's tough. I get it. But it does seem to be hurt, like actively hurting the team. That you have the eight guys you're putting in the lineup. You know, unless we're talking about that series in Houston when you have nine. You know, you have those eight guys in the lineup, and everybody on your bench is not really available to do anything. So it 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 puts Joe in a bit of a box in a lot of these games, and it puts pressure on the guys that are in the lineup. That you know you have to be performing and. I, I agree with you, Brendan. This is not a knock on some of these guys in particular, but we—they they need to have better depth than Mark. You can't Giannis, have Jim McDougi up this team right now. I'm sorry, and, you just can't have that happen. I agree with you, and and it's yeah. also part of it is like we we know from other situations like. Mark Zagunis barely played. He barely got in there. And then you're asking him, you know, a couple times a week, basically, to perform in clutch spots, coming off the bench in a pinch hit roll. Like, that's a really tough assignment for some of these guys. So it's it's sort of just like a no-win proposition. And I think that they're trying to solve some of that. We saw them pick up Carlos Gonzalez. You may remember uh, from the Rockies uh, the majority of his time and you know i think that they're clearly trying to solve that issue but you know between not having a, a deep bench in the sense that you know you're you're bringing up guys with tons of major league experience or success things like that and constantly playing a man down it's i i think it's i think it's showing i think it i think that that is definitely a a point of influence for when you have inconsistent performances like we saw in St. Louis. Um, Because, you know, again, I'm with you. Like, I think on the whole, like, the body of work from this offense has been good. And I have not wavered in my, like, overall sentiment on the group or the team as a whole. Like, it's a bad series in St. Louis. Like, it's not fun. It stinks. And they're in a bad stretch. Like, there's no sugarcoating it. But, uh, you know, I, I, I as I've said before, and we've pretty much every year, Brendan, we go through stretches like this, like, I don't get the doom and gloom, you're you're not gonna get it, we we get pissed off, and we're a little fired up today, right? Like, this is one where Brendan's hand is hovering over the, you know, the expletive button. I'm like, pressing um, mute every five seconds over here, just in case, yeah. just in Yeah, case. we have the FCC, like, closely monitoring uh, right. yeah. this a one. A few but, may slip out you know, again, like this team was on, they go through that 10 series stretch and play really good baseball. They beat really good teams. And it's June 2nd. Like they're a game and a half out of first place. Like I think some of the doom and gloom really needs to be settled down. It's a little ridiculous if you ask me. Um, But that doesn't mean like this was frustrating. And, And like I said, like you get beat up, like really beat up by Adam freaking Wainwright. I, I mean, he's he's blowing 91 mile per hour fastballs <laughs> yeah. by people on pitch 120, Brendan. Like, that can't yeah. happen. Like, you walk seven times. This team has certainly not had an on-base percentage problem. Like, their their approach in a lot of respects is really good. They take their walks. Like, they're willing to make the pitcher work. But you just got to see more consistent results. And I, and I do think that uh the 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 depth issue the playing a man down thing is is catching up with him, but again, like it's not an easy thing to. Monitor, but but even just thinking about that, I mean, what is that? The last month or so, right, Brendan? Like you had Javi sticking on the bench, even though he's clearly you know having lingering issues with that heel. You had Discalso stay uh, with that ankle injury. You had Rizzo. You had Bryant. You had Hayward. Like that's a lot of guys. Like yeah, you don't sort even of, realize it until you say it out loud. Yeah, just been like dealing like with a lot of these injuries at a decent clip, and and I do yeah. think that it's uh, you know causing some of these problems, but. Mm-hmm. I, as far as the runner in scoring position thing, I have no idea, man. I've looked, I've tried to, like, get a sense of it, and, like, over this recent stretch, like, the last few weeks here or so, um, you know, their BABIP is insanely low with runners in scoring position, and that's not to say that they've only gotten unlucky. I'm definitely not saying that. There's been some bad at-bats, there's been some bad contact, but it has been as sustainably low. So, I, I, I think that it you know soon should correct to a closer to normal outcome but it 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 is hard not to acknowledge that it has been a persistent issue of this team uh for the last couple seasons and it definitely gets highlighted when you're in a stretch like they are now where yeah they got the hit on Saturday to, you know, sort of end that, uh, like 20 plus at bat streak or whatever it was with the runners in scoring position, but it didn't even bring in a run. So it's like when you go through a stretch like that, it's really going to highlight, like this has been an issue before and it's been a glaring one over this stretch.
1: Keep all your entertainment options centered with Xfinity X1. Access live TV, Netflix, and now Hulu and Peacock. Ah, streaming zen. Now that's simple, easy, awesome. Go online or call 1-800-XFINITY today. Restrictions apply. Netflix, Hulu, and Peacock memberships required. Keep all your entertainment options centered with Xfinity X1. Access live TV, Netflix, and now Hulu and Peacock. Ah, streaming zen. Now that's simple, easy, awesome. Go online or call 1-800-XFINITY today. Restrictions apply. Netflix, Hulu, and Peacock memberships required.
3: Yeah, and I think a part of the issue too is like what you're seeing. You're seeing a team who is banged up, and they've been playing consistently to make some of the guys who are just not playing. So it's like a combination of both. And just going back, right back to spring training, this is why going with Ian Happ at Triple A few days before the season started was so shocking to me, mm-hmm. because like you're just you're reading these names off. Like no offense to Mark Sagunas or Jim Maducci, but you need better depth than you weren't that. necessarily I mean,
2: prepared for it.
3: They're not yeah, yeah, they're not prepared for it. And it's it's not a knock on them. The Cubs put them put them in a situation where it's very difficult to adjust. Right. So it's not a knock on them. It is like Theo and the front office have to take responsibility here. To put Joe Madden two in this position where you don't have that depth, that's a hard task to do. And it's almost negligent to some degree to do that. Three days before spring training to send Ian Happ down to Iowa three days and have no backup? Come on! And you look around the league, and Adam Jones is making three million dollars. He has what thirteen homers. He's batting .280 for the Diamondbacks, playing consistently in center field and corner outfield. You got to have a better backup plan than that. They don't. They don't have that right now, and that's why we're seeing Carlos Gonzalez get signed because the moment Doscasso doesn't look to be the guy that you thought he was. That's an issue. The moment Ben Zobrist has his problem, that's an issue. And you rely on these two guys to have a significant contribution to the team. They're not there. You now you have no depth. They they have no depth. I think it does beg the question: Should the Cubs go out and search for more depth? And I don't know if I'm necessarily there yet. You hope that Ian Happ can continue to play well. He's been better recently in Iowa. But I don't know if I'm there yet where you want to go out there and you want to make that that trade to bring in more depth. I still think if Hap can come back to, to Wrigley, be kind of the same guy he was even last year, that's a huge addition to the team. If Bodie continues to play well, even though he didn't look too well in St. Louis, that should be a big boost to the team. But overall, for the immediate few series here... Something has something has to give. I don't I don't know if they need to put a Javi on the injured list. Uh he's he looked better on Sunday's game, but the games before that he was limping. They have to do something here because it does put added pressure on these guys to play every day. Night game, day game, follow it up, on the road. It's it's no fluke that they're having these issues right now against two teams who are good I mean the Cardinals have not been playing well recently but they still have a quality team to go from Houston to St. Louis banged up night game to day game consistently that's very challenging so it's in one sense it's no surprise on the other hand the Cubs got to prep better for this there's a reason why teams like the Dodgers and the Astros year in year out by June and July no one's behind them because they have insane depth in the Cubs right now. Hate to say it, they didn't. They didn't prep for that. They didn't prep for it. They had injuries. They don't have the backups for it. They got a little screwed there. But at the same time, when you're sending down Ian Happ three days before spring training with no backup, this is kind of what you get. You get this perfect storm, and it does trickle down to affecting other people's performances on this team as a result. So that's that's kind of where I'm at. I'm not I'm not wavering in my confidence. Uh, totally in, in in the offense, but at some point they're going to have to figure out and address this depth issue because it is it is a real issue that I think we do need to address.
2: Yeah, I th- I think we're in agreement there, and it's it's one of those things where that was one of the areas in the off season when they didn't go out and and spend on any of like the big name free agents. Our sentiment was like, fine, that's totally fine, but let's fill in some of these cracks, right? And like, Daniel Descasso is not the guy to do that. Like, right. I, I and, hate to say it, but. Not and the guy. I think that what they ended up doing was one of those things where it's like, you need this to go all the way correct for this to not be something you have to readdress once the season gets going, right? Like Victor Caratini started off hot as, as the backup catcher but then obviously gets hurt and since he's come back he hasn't been as hot certainly as he was like at the beginning of the season you trade listella you go for descalso and again like if descalso plays like he did in 2018 if Ben zobrist is with the team and not dealing uh, you know with this off the field situation and you know potentially not coming back at all we're you know still not really sure on that like if if those things go Go that way, and you know Victor has a solid season, and and he cements that backup role. Gives Wilson the ability to take some time off. You know you have guys like Bodie, etc., like excel in the roles that they're given. Like I think it it could have worked, but it's just one of those things where the margin of error was you have thin. to be perfect. Yeah, like yeah, you needed Discalzo to be that player he was in 2018. You needed Ben Zobrist to be somewhat close to his Ben Zobrist self that he's you know put up pretty consistently. Which for a 38 year old guy time. that was not a guarantee, too. I mean, right. And unfortunately now you don't even you don't even know because he's right. just not playing. Um, so I, I think that again, like it wasn't the absolute worst strategy coming in, but this is why we kind of belabored that point of I really wish they would have filled in some of these cracks here or, you know, not just maybe put a band-aid on on some of these things. If you're not gonna go get Bryce Harper, right? Fine. Who cares? It's fine. But you gotta go get someone like those steps to improve the team upon last year, where you can really go like, Yes, we have taken a look at what happened last year with the offense we've made a coaching change we're going to have a philosophy change we're going to get Chris Bryant healthy and we've you know added this depth that that we're coming in with uh just a a miles better offense and they have been much better but you're looking at kind of where that depth issue and and not going out and doing that in the offseason is is, you know, creating some problems for you. And again, like, obviously, they couldn't have foreseen the Ben Zobris thing coming. It's it's a, a bad situation for everyone, right? And, and you know, as we always uh, have said in, in talking about this, I, you know, we're wishing Ben the best. And I hope that, you know, he's able to get uh, his personal affairs in order and, you know, get through this this process. Um, but looking at it from a baseball perspective, like, it does affect the team, like, whether you want to talk about mm-hmm. it or not, like, yeah. it does have a tangible effect on this team. So, yeah, I again like I'm with you. Like I, I I have not wavered in my confidence with this group. Um, you know, I think you're looking at what Bryant is doing on the whole, Rizzo, Baez, Contreras, like they're having big seasons. You have a bunch of these guys who have already eclipsed their home run toter, they're slugging more, and the the hits with runners in scoring position will come. Um What do you I, make of that though? I, I do I think just I really, quickly I before really you move on know. here.
3: Yeah. So I, I mean I, 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 I really mentioned it a little bit. I think to a degree, recently, the lack of hitting with runners in scoring position was a result of that lack of depth and playing every day, and that's what I just said. Mm-hmm. But there is another side to it that I think that that I may have like an opinion on, and that to, to some degree, I don't know if this is the right idea, but the, the focal point from this coaching staff front office in the offseason, and even in years past, we've talked about it, was – Situational hitting or opportunistic hitting. And we know from talking to Jordan Bastion, just seeing Joe Madden operate in spring training, they really put a ton of emphasis on capitalizing off of those guys on second and third base. And they're still not really doing it. And the argument is well, you know, they have one of the highest OBPs. That's what happens when you have guys on base consistently not really buying that because when I watch these games, I don't know if you're the same way, Corey, maybe it's just my bias. I notice a very tangible difference in their approach. And in particular, I notice it from guys, especially like Wilson Contreras. I mean, it's it's for me, it's tangible when I see Willie up there. He's trying to do something completely different when the leverage is not as high, whether it's going out the opposite field or just trying to make contact or whatever, even Hayward, other guys as well. So to, to, in, in the back of my mind, I question whether or not there is too much emphasis on that from getting outside of your normal approach and adapting this different approach that you're not used to because there's men on base and I don't know I mean look I don't know if that's the right way to go about it I don't even know if that's kind of just my you know bias to a degree but I do think it's been three years there's been a lot of emphasis put on scoring with runners on base and it hasn't worked and I wonder what they're doing, even today, is just not optimal. Maybe it's more of a thing where they, hey, just go to your normal approach. Don't don't try to get outside of what you've been doing well to get on base. The moment you get on base, you change this up. It's been a little problematic. So I don't know if that's a solution where you just adapt this normal approach. But when guys are on base pitchers should not have better numbers it's the opposite way when guys are on base the pitcher struggles more for some reason with the cubs the pitchers are doing better and you have to question okay is this a systematic approach issue is this a random issue and at this point maybe a little bit of both but i do think to some level it is a systematic issue
2: yeah, it's, it's, a tough, it's a tough thing to really pinpoint because you have such a wide variety of, of variables here. Like, obviously, you have three different hitting coaches now all trying to solve this same issue. We tried it with John Malley in 2017, uh, Chili Davis in 2018, and now Anthony Iaposi in 2019. And Iaposi is a student of Mali's, so their philosophies are obviously similar, but still different guys with, with, you know, different backgrounds, and obviously Chile being sort of the most drastic change of them, who was specifically brought in to solve that issue, Um, and you also have very different guys in this lineup right? So, but we we see it, you know, it's not as though one person is necessarily coming through with all the, the hits with runners in scoring positions. So, you know, you, you have guys who expand their zone a lot. Uh, you know, you have guys who are more patient. You have guys who make a lot of contact, and it's not working for the moment for anybody. So, I don't know, man. I think uh, you know. Unfortunately, they they might just be pressing right now. It's it's been a rough stretch for them, just as a team. And you know, again, obviously, you get into one of those holes where those numbers pile up. You've got an over, you know, that that gets that big. You know, guys might just press. And I think you know, maybe you're right. In particular instances, guys feel the weight of of. Uh, the team not producing in those situations and they're trying to do too much and it leads to a change in approach, a bad approach, whatever it is. Um, but I I don't know. I, like, I, I wish I had the answer. Um, I think if it were that easy to come up with an answer, we might not be having this discussion. But it's, you know, look, it's something, like you said, that, that clearly this team has prioritized fixing. They are aware uh, that they have struggled with it. They have made coaching changes because of it. They have put an emphasis on it. So I hope that it normalizes a little bit. Again, like in that over stretch, like their Babbitt was really low, and I think you know you probably don't deserve as bad of an outcome. Uh, and going forward, you know you just have to hope for better results. But I, I again, like I, I think the as we kind of wrap up on the offense here. Um, Again, like I, I think you and I are in agreement here, Brendan, that our confidence in this group has not wavered. It's just uh you know, acknowledging like there they there have been these inconsistent stretches. There have been just these poor performances. There, you know, there's no mincing words, right? And I, I think that in in analyzing the team and praising them for the stuff that they would do well. You know, you have to be able to pause and say this was a bad effort this weekend. There were some piss-poor at-bats in this series, you know, and just an inability to cash in on other good work that you were doing, inability to cash in on, you know, pitchers who had been struggling uh and who you just, you know, you need better results with. And and they're, you know, it just feels like too all too familiar a feeling in, in some of these games where, uh, you know, they, they have runners on with no outs or one out, and you get the bare minimum out of it. You know, there, there's a couple times in the St. Louis series where you've got runners on, uh, you know, they had the bases loaded in that one situation, and you come away with one run, and it just doesn't feel like they're they're executing at that level where they're really capitalizing on some of these opportunities. And in a series like this with the Cardinals, where all the games were really right there, uh, within reach of winning, it really costs you that you don't cash in on those opportunities. So I I, I think that this group is, is going to continue to put up a good season. Um, you're going to have to do some tinkering, and I'd like to see them, you know, come in with a stronger group bench a stronger level of depth and you've got to sort of think on your feet here to to address the Zobra situation you you know you also have to like be kind of evaluating this discalso thing and uh what your your feeling on that is going forward because he's been really bad um and he's not making that much money too so I'm not I'm not suggesting to DFA
3: him now because I understand the ankle injury could be a prohibitive factor in him being good right now but his overall numbers, guys, this I this this is brutal. This can this cannot be on your team. He's batting two hundred. at yeah, after that he's batting two hundred. He's a two sixty-four weighted on base average. He's created forty percent fewer runs than just a league average player. He's not a good defender. He's aging. A lot of the things he did well last year he's not doing right now. He can't be getting these at-bats. And the trade deadline is in, what, eight weeks or so? So we're going to probably be hearing some rumors. But at some point, it does beg the question whether or not him being on the team right now is a bad thing. And maybe making a trade right now is is, is something the Cubs should consider. But that's it's so frustrating, Corey, to see this these numbers. I mean, come come on, their bench is just so inadequate right now.
2: Yeah, and it and it puts and and sort of the reason we're putting so much emphasis on that is because the the lack of that depth and the lack of uh, production out of some of these guys puts a ton of pressure. Like you don't want this much pressure on guys like Almora or Bodie, where it's basically like if they're not performing, it you know it it really looms large and you don't want them to have that pressure we just came off in the last episode talking about when these guys get on hot stretches and they're putting up good numbers like you want them to be able to keep playing and try to keep developing in their young careers you know these guys are young these guys are are under control for a while and you want to give them that opportunity to continue growing but when you're you know when Zobris isn't there and Descalso's not performing and you have a different guy unavailable on the bench every day because of injury it really puts a lot of pressure on these guys which is just not how you would draw that up you don't want the the, the like success or failure to the offense to hinge so much on some of these guys uh, performing at an everyday consistent level you 'd like to be able to still kind of massage their usage and and help them develop in that but it it it's harder to do when you you have a, a series like this in particular against the Cardinals, where you know it's just sort of a a lineup wide funk uh, mm. that that's going around. But let's go to this bullpen situation, and pretty much the situation is just that Pedro Strop, uh, in three outings with Iowa, uh, I don't believe he's given up a run. He's looked good stuff looks good. He seems to be healthy. Uh, so his return is likely imminent. I think a lot of people expected him to be back after just that second outing. So the fact that he has this third one would likely suggest that, you know, he he did throw, unfortunately, in those first two outings, it was a very small amount of pitches. I think a lot of guys uh, go up there in these minor league games, they see a guy like Pedro Strope and they're trying to jump on him early. And he doesn't get to throw a lot of pitches. You know, I think in one of those games, you know, it it might have been like under 20 pitches or something, I I think, total for those first two outings. So they, you know, they likely wanted to just get him a little more work while he's there and with the team. But he should be back soon. Tony Barnett starting his rehab uh, in the minors. And you have these Craig Kimbrell rumors floating around. So I, I do want to get your thoughts, Brendan, on just the the general state of the bullpen. We did see some good performances uh, for them over the course of this weekend. I think on the whole, the bullpen was pretty good, save for a couple of individual performances. Um, but as we talked about, I, I think the, the bullpen issue to me is pretty simple and and I've said this for a while now like you have the makings of a good bullpen you just need some higher leverage arms and one of those will be pedro strope as we talked about brandon moro has restarted his attempt at you know the rehab no nobody's <laughs> don't, counting don't on that anything. but we'll see yeah, it, yeah. it's happening so i'm just alerting you that that is happening again um, so one of them would be Pedro Strope, and I think, you know, you need at least one to two more, and then if you can have that kind of back end be Strope, C Sheck, and you know, it probably two ish other high leverage arms, that's a very quality group. And then you have guys like Brad Brock, Brandon Kinsler, Mike Montgomery, etc., Carl Edwards coming in in lower leverage spots, working in different areas. I, I think you've got the makings of a very good pen, but I, I think you do need to address it. So so where are you on the bullpen as a whole, and what do you make of this Craig Kimbrell situation uh, that was reported to us by Ken Rosenthal from The Athletic, that the Cubs are interested, and the, the fact that they are I I think he confirmed it in this article. It was a little hard to tell as he didn't directly say it, uh, but he's heavily implying that Mm -hmm. the Cubs are not paying Ben Zobrist uh, while he is out on the restricted list. So that does free up some money as we kind of speculated before, if that was the case. And Ken Rosenthal seemingly suggesting that that is the case. It sounds as if even for Madden, that Zobrist not coming back will free up that
3: money. Uh, of course, you want Kimbrel. I think them addressing and talking to Kimbrel is something that that seems obvious. But beyond Kimbrel, I'm a little frustrated how they've handled the bullpen the last three weeks. And you can look at examples with Kyle Ryan getting high leverage spots, but that's not where I want to direct the focus. I'm frustrated by their their. I don't even know what the word is. I want to say procrastination, but that's almost not the right word. I do not like how two guys in particular, Rowan Wick and James Norwood, are in AAA right now. You look at their numbers. They're both striking out guys in double digits per nine innings. They both have walk race under three batters per nine innings and they come up and they look good. Rowan Wick had one outing, looked pretty good. James Norwood, we've seen him a few times. He has great stuff and I sit there and I watch guys like Brad Brock and Brandon Kinsler, and to their credit, they've had somewhat successful careers, but I watch them and they're blowing games. They look pretty bad recently. And it does beg the question, like, what are we waiting for here? Like, why? the, The solution seems possible if we give guys like Rowan Wick and James Norwood and some of these younger guys a, a bigger chance not saying throw them in high leverage situations but at least give them more of a shot here i don't know what the solution is i don't know if like you know getting rid of Brad Brock is the right idea but i was discussing this with others and it did make me realize like maybe getting these guys on one year deals like a Brad Brock or like a Brandon Kinsler that it's hindering the development and the opportunities for guys who could take charge of the bullpen. I think Brian Smith, in particular, expressed the idea that someone like Rowan Wick is a major league player, and the fact that they have gone after these one year guys uh, maybe is frustrating and hindering their development. And I can, I really see that. So, I, I mean, my thoughts on the bullpen haven't changed. I'm with you, in, in two months, the bullpen will undoubtedly look drastically different once you throw Pedro Stroke back in there they're going to make a trade for another guy or two or three Uh, Craig Campbell if he's acquired of course changes the depth and structure of the bullpen but ultimately I think right now there, there has to be an immediate solution Corey I cannot I cannot watch these guys get in high level situations when they don't when they're not really suited for it right now. I like Kyle Ryan. I like the unorthodox release point. We've talked about it. I've written about it. But to see him go into these high lever situations, it's not suited for his stuff. It's not suited for him right now in his stage of his career. I don't think it's fair to him. I don't think it's fair whatsoever to Joe Madden to, to handle this bullpen like this when you have no one outside of Steve Sijek to go to. I do not think that's fair whatsoever. So my my underlying issue is that Two guys, and maybe more, are just not getting the chances that I personally want to see. I understand why. I know it's very difficult to go out there and say, okay, well, to get these guys up, you have to go DFA someone that might be difficult to DFA, and I I, I get that, but it goes back to even the preseason or spring training or off season philosophy of getting these guys trying to get the depth, but that depth is maybe hurting your depth ironically by stalling the development of guys who could be better than these one year guys. So that's where I'm at, Corey.
2: Yeah, I'm with you. And and again, I, I I think the the real key is you just have some of these guys in the wrong spot. I think you're you're dead on with a guy like Kyle Ryan. He we we've talked about. He he had a really good stretch to to start his run with the Cubs, and he's given you some good innings, but you're competing in a division that you won 95 games in last year and didn't win the division, and some of the teams around just the Brewers have gotten better. You can't, in a one-run game, Kyle Ryan pitching to two righties, right, or two guys hitting right-handed, Dexter is yes. a switch hitter, yeah. but that that's not good enough. I, I'm sorry. Like, and, and again, it's not to knock Kyle Ryan. I think you move him down a few rungs in, in, a, in a bullpen as a left-handed option. It, it can be fine. There, there's nothing wrong with that. But you got to have better high leverage options. This is a one-run game on the road against a, a division rival, a division opponent, a division contender. You, if you have the aspirations that this team, that the Chicago Cubs team does, you need to have better options than Kyle Ryan. Sorry, that's just how I yeah. see it. Like, that's it's yeah. not good enough. It's the same with some of these guys off the bench. You need better options than Mark Zagunis and Jim Aducci and Kyle Ryan. It's not good enough. That's how I feel. Straight up. Like, some of these options just are not good enough. You need to do better. Um, yeah, I, I almost wonder too that maybe it
3: made more sense to go out in the offseason. And I get what they were trying to do. And you get the depth, you get Brad Brock, you get someone like Brandon Kinsler back via trading. You gamble with that option. I get what they were trying to do there in terms of building that depth, but I wonder if they did it backwards. Like, what if they went out there and they got... Guys on minor league options or minor league deals, you keep them in AAA and you give the first dibs to someone like, you know, like Ron Wicker or, or James Norwood and see how they do for the first few weeks. And then you adjust because the moment that you bring someone like Brad Brock in or these other guys, they have no other options left. The moment they start sucking, you, you have one choice. You either keep them or you have to get rid of them. You have no other choice there. So I do wonder if they did it. Backwards to, to some degree, and that's that's my frustrating uh, fr- frustrating point right there. Is just man, like I I really want to see more of Wick. That's what it comes down to.
1: Hello, this is your apartment. I need some
0: favors from you. Your cat keeps rubbing against the kitchen island, and I can't return the
1: favor. Can you give her extra pets for me? After that, could you bundle your renters and car insurance with Geico? We could save money, and it's easy to do online.
3: And one last thing,
2: could you leave the TV on during the day? I
3: need to catch up on my soaps.
0: GEICO. For bundling made easy, go to geico.com today. It just doesn't feel like summer without an ice-cold Coca-Cola in your hand. Stop by your local convenience store today and grab a 20-ounce bottle of Coca-Cola or Coca-Cola Zero Sugar. Or pick up even more delicious refreshment with a 20-ounce bottle of Diet Coke, Sprite, or Fanta. So no matter how you soak in that summer sun, at home or on the go, grab an ice-cold Coca-Cola today and enjoy.
2: Yeah, and I I think you're going to get into those problems soon, you know, because as we discussed, you're going to, you know, you're going to need to find room for stroke. Uh, You have Tony Burnett trying again. You have guys like Junichi Tozawa, who who was on a minor league deal, like you're talking about, performing well uh, in Iowa, and... I, you know, I, I, I throw this out there. You know, I, I, I know that, uh, there's, there's definitely nuance to how to use him given how valuable he is, but I do just want to read these Adbert Alzole numbers. Uh, his (laughs) last start the other day, he goes six innings, allows one hit, no runs. He strikes out eight and walks one in his last three starts for the Iowa Cubs, 17 innings pitched, six hits, two earned runs, 23 strikeouts, two walks. That's good for a one- 0. 0.06 ERA. So we don't have to get into the nuance of, you know, how to use him. Should he be in the bullpen? Should he continue starting? But when you have your top pitching prospect performing like this, like you know, lights out baseball, wowing everybody, kind of the talk of the minor league portion of the Cubs world it is going to kind of you know get some of the like that glaring eye emoji is what i think of when i see those those numbers where it's just like i don't really know exactly what to do with this but this is pretty interesting and uh, you know as we're sort of searching for answers here so you've got a lot of names and, you know, you brought up some other ones, Rowan Wick and an example, like a lot of names sort of trying to crack this major league bullpen. You're going to have to start making some decisions at some point, because I think you've got some guys itching to raise the bar a, a little bit and and take over some of those uh, higher leverage innings. And it'll be interesting to see how the Cubs proceed with that. But Just as a definitive stance, if you can get past this period, not give up a draft pick, not trade any prospects, I have expressed concern with Craig Kimbrell, right? Like I think his second half numbers, his performance in the playoffs wasn't as strong as the sort of, you know, as simply sharing that he's one of the best closers in Major League Baseball, uh, like history. Yeah, You know, I think that that's those two things you kind of need to acknowledge separately. They can both be true. He can be the one of the best relievers in Major League history while also not have looked his best last season. Um, but you do it. Like, you just do it. You need the bullpen help. You need high leverage arms. If you sign Craig Kimbrell for whatever it takes to sign him for half a season, maybe if you could do it, because I think one of the things with him is that he wants to be the closer and the Cubs can do that for him. You can come in and be the closer for the Chicago Cubs. Like you do it. One, if he's yeah. not great, fine. Join the cl- yeah. <laughs> like join the club, right? Like, okay, add him to the pile. But I think I think at this point, I think it was certainly a point of debate in the offseason. And I understood if people didn't want to do it. I had concerns about him as well. But now, if you don't have to trade any prospect capital for him, if you don't have to trade any major league talent for him, and you don't have to give up a draft pick, just money, you got to do it. Or at least you have to be at the table at the forefront of this conversation. If someone is blowing him away with an offer, whatever, right? Fine. You don't have to throw all your chips in this, this one pot. But the, the, at this point, you. I think you have to go for this, right? Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I, yeah. it, it, I mean, I will say
3: if he wants fifty million over like three, four years, I may be a little bit more hesitant. Yeah, but... that's what I'm saying.
2: If he's yeah. getting crazy, okay, fine.
3: Yeah, yeah, and I, I, man, it's 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 difficult. It's it's a difficult situation here. I, I. Almost am tempted even to give him that contract, but I am worried about his walk rate. Two of the last three years, his walk rate has been almost five batters per game. That's an issue. Everything else is fine. His velocity was fine for most of the year. I know some people mentioned that, but his velocity was around 98 most of the year. So it's, it's, that's not, that's not an issue for him. Uh, I will say though, Corey, at least the rotation has been pretty good though. Yes. And the rotation was, I mean, not lights out, but a step Very in good. the right this direction. Yeah, yeah, really good. good. And I, I got to say, I am enjoying watching Jose Quintana pitch. Just, yeah. to, just to, you know, before we get into Darvish, which we will briefly here, but Q is just hammering the strike zone. Yeah, basketball much more after aggressive. Much more. I love his look on the mound. I just we did not see the last two years whatever it was and yeah. we're seeing it now and i it's it's a pleasure to watch him and that is the guy who was on the white Sox. and that's the guy who i thought we were going to get so i want to throw that out there we've been somewhat critical of q not critical but just expecting more we're getting it let's recognize that he's been phenomenal love what he's seen and then on the other hand too with you darvish okay you darvish for the first time this year i think he had his fastball command. It happened, Whoa. Corey. We Suddenly, need an audio drop for that, like a horn I just, or something. It happened. And I, after that first inning, I was, I, was, I was having a stroke over there because we were not seeing it. But he comes back in that second inning, and he's hammering fastball after fastball, two-seamer, two-seamer, with command. And he threw half of his pitches as fastballs, whereas in recent starts, he's been mostly 60% Fifty percent with cutters and sliders, so he trusted it a little bit more. And there was one other pitch too I do want to bring up. He had this ninety-three mile per hour two-seamer, which I thought it was a two-seamer. I tweeted it out with a video uh, that that you made, Corey. And then about two hours later, my phone starts to vibrate like for two straight minutes. And I'm out to dinner uh, with my boss on a work event. So I'm not looking at my phone. I get into my my Uber. I take my phone out and you text me. Hey, did you, you know, look at your mentions? am like, what are you talking about right now? And of course, I open my phone up. I have 250 notifications and you Darvish tweets at me that that was a splitter, not a two seam fastball. So Yu Darvish is throwing 93 mile per hour splitters to go with his 96 mile per hour fastballs, with his cutter, slider, curve, and changeup. He threw eight pitches that start that Corey is the U Darvish we thought we were going to get. That is the U Darvish that Theo Epstein signed who said he was the premier strikeout pitcher of our generation. That was U Darvish. That is what I'm talking about. That is, that is a sign that gives me more confidence. Not the start before that where he had a successful start, but he did so on one pitch. This start, he did it on eight different pitches. That is what I'm talking about, and that is why now... That my ears perk up. I get a little bit more confidence in him going forward. For the first time this year, I think.
2: Yeah, th- this was a good start. And, and again, it's unfortunate. You know, he has to get lifted uh for the pinch hitter to try to get, you know, the offense going. Because I think he probably, you know, he was at ninety three pitches. Probably could have gone one more inning. um But this was a good start. Uh, you know, he he walks a few guys, but it's it wasn't the worst thing in the world. And he and he, you know only allows three hits. So. Yeah, I, I thought this was a really good start for him. It would have been a really nice one to, you know, just get a, a nice clean win for you. He has a quality start he deserved it and get him that w yeah that that's what he deserved and I think that would have been a nice little building block for the whole series but you know again this is just uh you know sometimes how it is right like the you you're 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 praying for better pitching when the offense is scoring five six runs a game and then you know we have a weekend here where we're praying for any offense because the pitching is really good it's you know sometimes baseball is just like that you just can't get things to line up and I do think important to note and hopefully we see uh a, a similar trend with John on Monday, but Cole Hamels really good on, on, yeah. on Sunday, a really good start. And I, I think that, you know, expecting him to be as good as he was in that second half for the Cubs in 2018, you know, maybe a bit optimistic, but also, you know, in this stretch where his command hasn't been as good and he's been going, you know, shorter, uh, on the, on the innings totals and stuff. I think also that also you know, definitely was not, uh, certainly where we expected him to be. Uh, and I think we kind of expected that just to be a bad stretch and he comes back on Sunday and definitely makes it look that way. He was great on Sunday, um, takes an undeserved L he doesn't even give up an earned run and he takes the loss in this game so that always sucks um <laughs> but seven innings you know his season ERA now sitting at 3.62 for a guy that you got for next to nothing and at his age you're taking that all day he's been very good oh, yeah. no uh, on doubt. the whole very good for the Chicago Cubs in his time here. So, just nice to see him uh get back out there, have a really good start. And and you know, they needed him to play stopper on Sunday and really he did. Again, oh. the offense just doesn't make it stick, but that was that was good to see. So, yeah, it it's you know, again, everything ebbs and flows uh but good to see, you know, kind of after a, a bad stretch, the the this trio who who got to go in st. Louis you know really answer the call and 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 get back to, to throwing good baseball and I think you know kind of restore um you know I think we've really haven't wavered and in, in being pretty confident uh and realistic with this group throughout the whole year but it just nice to see after that stretch them them get get back out there quickly turn it around and uh you know shift the the uh loud worrying to a different portion of the team for now so that's you know that's <laughs> so that's always the good. entire yeah. year it's off yeah. of their back for the moment we can shift it somewhere else
3: yeah and then three weeks later we'll be doing the opposite again right Oh boy, okay, so let's preview this upcoming series and makeup game against the Los Angeles Angels on Monday and the Colorado Rockies after the Angels. And by the way, you can get tickets to both of those games against the Rockies and Angels. Through SeatGeek, because with millions of live event tickets and a price match guarantee, SeatGeek proves there is a better way. You can search sports, live music, comedy, and more, Cubs games, Bears games, whatever you want. SeatGeek has the tickets you're looking for all in one place. Why is SeatGeek better than the rest? Well, a quick look to the App Store shows over 50,000 five star reviews. How is that for customer satisfaction? We just know it's a better process. SeatGeek pulls millions of tickets from all over the web. Then it rates each deal on a scale of 1 to 10 on an interactive map. So for example, green dots on their map are good deals. Red dots are overpriced deals. And every purchase is fully guaranteed. So you can shop for tickets with confidence. I always use SeatGeek, whether it's for baseball games, basketball games, hockey games, whatever. I use SeatGeek. My friends use SeatGeek. I buy tickets for my friends. I send them to uh, their phone within five minutes really easy process to do. Best of all, our listeners, you guys, get $10 off your first SeatGeek purchase. All you need to do is use our promo code. Download the SeatGeek app today and use promo code CUBSRELATED for $10 off your first purchase. That's promo code CUBSRELATED for $10 off your first purchase. Okay. So that one game against the Los Angeles Angels will take place at 3:05 p.m. Central Time on Monday. A weird start time there, Corey. Uh, but John Lester will take the mound, who's three and four with a 3.59 ERA. Cam, uh, this last name is kind of uh, unfamiliar. I believe is uh, Bedrosian is how you pronounce it. He's 2-3 with a 3.08 ERA. Mike Trout will probably play in this game. As you may remember, he missed the uh, the previous series at Wrigley due to an injury. Now he's healthy, so that could be a good thing or a bad thing, depending on how you want to look at that. After the Angels game, Colorado comes to town, who's 31-27, and, and Kyle Hendricks will take the mound for that first game set, which begins at 7.05. PM Central Time Jeff Hoffman will be uh Kyle Hendricks opponent who is one and one with a 7.2 ERA. This is Hoffman's fourth start of the year so he's not been used the entire year as a starter. And then on Wednesday during the second game of the series Yu Darvish will look to follow up his very impressive performance against St. Louis. Darvish has a 2 3 overall record on the year with a 5.02 ERA. We'll be facing German Marquez from Colorado, who is just having a phenomenal year. He's 6 2 at 3.48 ERA. Has some pretty wicked stuff. If my memory serves correct, the Cubs have had issues against him in the past, so that might be a difficult game. And then on Thursday to finish off the three game set, we'll have Jonathan Gray, uh, if you may remember was drafted right by Chris Bryant in that famous draft that year. Gray is 5 and 4 with a 4.11 ERA. Jose Quintana faces uh, Gray who's 4 and 4 with a 3.78 ERA. That game starts at 1:20 p.m. Central. And then just to give you a, a quick preview after that series, it does not get easier guys. I hate to say it does not get easier. St. Louis comes to town for another series, and then the Cubs will fly off to the West Coast. Always difficult for the Cubs to do. They'll go to Colorado for another game, uh, uh, three-game set. And then the Dodgers, they'll go to L.A. Uh, So it's going to be a tough stretch of baseball here for the Cubs. Unfortunate timing, given they haven't been playing that well, but they're going to have to get through it here. Uh, A quick wrap-up on the standings. The Cubs are in second place, unfortunately. They're now one and a half games back of Milwaukee, who's 34 and 26. They're a game and a half up of the Cardinals, at least, who are 30 and 28. Uh, And the Pirates are now three and a half games back of the Cubs, but they have lost a few games recently. They're 28 and 30. And the Reds, I got to say, the Reds keep sticking around. They're still below 500, but believe it or not, they have the second-best pitching staff rotation, according to ERA, in the National League. The Reds are 27-32. They're six and a half games back in Milwaukee, and they're five games back of the Cubs. So that's what I got there. Pretty simple for me, Corey. You got to take advantage of this, uh, this home series. The Cubs always, always have issues traveling to the West Coast. So you, look, I don't want to say you have to come away with a winning series, but I do have some concern once they travel to the West Coast. Things are not going to get easier. So you got to take advantage of these situations. Colorado's a good team. They're not the greatest team, but they're still a good team. you got to win these games, Corey.
2: Well, yeah, you, you want to have a good showing at home here before you head out to the West. But I, I will say that, you know, me specifically, but also, you know, Brendan will will try as he might. We'll we'll get things sorted when they get out to the West Coast. I'll have some words with them at Dodger Stadium. We'll No we'll, words with their fans though, please. No, no words with the Dodger no. fans. But no. but we'll we'll get things sorted once we see them in person. That's really what they need. I mean we go back to all these conversations and I think really what they need is me watching them in person more often so what about I, me i well i don't you know i don't know jury's still out on that. <laughs> I, I i may i may not go to those games so correlation not causation yeah
3: i don't want to risk it uh,
2: yeah. um no you, you look you, you gotta you gotta turn things around and and really nothing specific other than we need to clean some of this up we've talked about a little bit of the sloppiness and it persists in this st louis series and it's gotta stop that that's that's really the only thing that I would like actually get you know sort of definitive about right like the the the, the starting pitching the offense the bullpen like things are going to be inconsistent you're, you're going to have great performances bad performances you, you look at the overall body of work you look at the overall roster and you know you you make conclusions on that but the one thing that I will be definitive on and say like this needs to to stop is some of this sloppiness and and letting runs score without making the other team do anything. Um, you know, again, yeah. I I brought this up, but that first run on Friday scores it's a, a sack fly, you get two walks and you move the runners around and a sack fly. The Cardinals don't get any hits and they lead that game one to nothing. You look at the game on Sunday and the winning run scores because Mike Montgomery picks off Colton Wong and they can't execute the the throw and tag at second base. So he gets to second and then Matt Carpenter gets a pinch hit single. So they get the single to bring in the run, but you're putting a runner in scoring position for free. And it, it's happening too much. You you know, you see uh, in this game as well, Wilson Contreras throwing a ball into center field that led to the first Cardinals run on Sunday at, uh, you know, Colton Wong gets a sacrifice five that brings him in. He was only at third base because Wilson Contreras hurled the ball, you know, five feet over Javi Baez's head into center field. And this isn't to put any of the focus on one player unfortunately enough, Brendan, this type of stuff has been spread around, which isn't great. I'm not sure where that's coming from, but it's all just to say, like, and you don't want to relate everything to the 2016 team. You know, the the, the 2016 team did win the World Series,
3: but yeah, did, you yeah. don't
2: want to always just say, well, the 2016 team did this, because that's not productive, right? But, One of the hallmarks of that team, as we go through the years and we look back on that team, one of the hallmarks is going to be that team was relentless in not doing stuff like that. They were relentless about taking extra outs, taking extra bases, making these little plays, right? the 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 tags the the cutting off balls in the alleys keeping guys to singles making clean throws picking guys off the catchers are picking guys off the pitchers are picking guys off they were relentless about stuff like this and this is just not characteristic of this particular group and you gotta clean it up you cannot be getting beat in one run games by multiple runs that are only possible because you help the other offense along it's gotta stop. You gotta clean yep. that up. And if it you know, you're gonna go through these stretches where the offense is inconsistent or doesn't come through with runners in scoring position. But this is the type of stuff that you can prevent. You know, it has nothing to do with that. It's it's just a matter of executing clean plays. You know, you go back to like Descalso dropping that ball in the rundown. Like that stuff can't happen. It just can't. So, you got to clean that up, and as you go home, and like you said, this is a tough stretch. You're going to play some good teams. You know, West Coast road trips are difficult for pretty much every team, and I think every sport, right? That's a thing, the, the West Coast trip. So... The, the the one thing you can can control is cleaning that stuff up and executing the simple plays that you need to execute and just not making it any easier for your opponent but it starts at home let's get lester you know back on the right track have a good start follow up hamels and and kind of you know putting that bad stretch behind them Take this makeup game with the Angels. Officially win that series, Brendan. That was part of that stretch. Uh, the the only non-win in that 10 ten-game stretch, the tie, uh, and we'll retroactively call that you know what an eleven-game, uh, an eleven-series or a ten-series winning streak. But sure. start with that. Take the the series after, and uh, you know then get ready for this tough stretch. The, this team is. Is still very good. Like that has not changed. This team is very good, and I you know want to see them show that in, in this stretch. It's a tough stretch, but they're they're built for it. They're they're ready for it, and I'd like to see them uh, show us that. So that's that's really where I'm at. And with that, I think that's all we have for you. This is uh, yeah. I liked it a lot better, Brendan, when we were just covering series that the Cubs took two or three <laughs> or, or swept. I, call me crazy, but that was that was more fun for me. It's it's um, a, a little easier, I guess, to to figure out what we're talking about on these podcasts when when you know there's there's sort of a kind of clear issue staring out back at you from from these series, but. It is what it is. So let's, uh, as Joe Madden is always fond of saying, let's ball this series up and and toss it in the nearest trash bin and move on. So as always, we thank you guys for listening through the ups and the downs. You guys are always there with us, and we are happy to have you joining us for all of these episodes. Um, As always, you can find us on all major podcast platforms, Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, Tune in, iHeartRadio, Spreaker, and uh, if we are not available on one where you like to listen to podcasts, just let us know, and we will do our best to get us on there. But we do thank you for your support and for your listenership, and as always, go Cubs. The all-new Toyota Highlander is designed to go Highlander. What's go
0: Highlander, you ask? It means amplifying your comfort with available premium leather interior and ventilated seats, and amplifying your groove with an available booming 11-speaker JBL audio system. Or even amplifying your crew with roomy seating for up to eight. Don't just go. Go Highlander in the all-new Toyota Highlander. Toyota. Let's go places. JBL is a registered trademark of Harman International Industries,
2: Incorporated.
1: Keep all your entertainment options centered with Xfinity X1. Access live TV, Netflix, and now Hulu and Peacock. Ah, streaming zen. Now that's simple, easy, awesome. Go online or call 1-800-XFINITY today. Restrictions apply. Netflix, Hulu, and Peacock memberships required.
0: It just doesn't feel like summer without an ice-cold Coca-Cola in your hand. Stop by your local convenience store today and grab a 20-ounce bottle of Coca-Cola or Coca-Cola Zero Sugar. Or pick up even more delicious refreshment with a 20-ounce bottle of Diet Coke, Sprite, or Fanta. So no matter how you soak in that summer sun, at home or on the go, grab an ice-cold Coca-Cola today and enjoy. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history.